Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas P. Dorian. Yes, sir. P is for Patrick. Yes, St. Patrick, what a wonderful saint. He is a great saint. And then, of course, we got Sam Rodriguez. I don't know what your middle Saint Sam. name is. <laughs> I don't have a middle name, actually. It's just Samuel Rodriguez III is my full name. That's cool. Yeah. No, that's you so sad. That's I'm so cool. sorry. Let's give him a middle name. Well, I kind of always thought of adopting Michael. Andy. No, it's Ziggy. Well, Michael was my confirmation saint. Samuel Ziggy. <laughs> you know what, Ziggy? I'll go with Ziggy. <laughs> yeah, who wants to go with a saint's name, right? Uh, anyway, that's a joke. Uh, so wonderful to have you guys here. We got a, a really cool show, and I'm glad to have Tom back. Oh, yeah, and Thank his you. hair, too. If his hair is looking good. If, if there's one the word I could describe Tom Dorian's hair, it's incorruptible. So... <laughs> <laughs> Very good. We know he's holy. You've been working on that one for a while, haven't you? <laughs> Tom, how was the Elvis impersonation we contest? Snort out of Sam on that one. Did you do okay? You Did you score well in the? What's that? I'm sorry. The Elvis impersonation. Oh, a lot of people man. didn't know that you were an Elvis impersonator. It's awesome. Man. Tell I Tom you did well. Yeah. I'm sure. Don't make fun of Elvis. No, of course I wouldn't. I know you're not making fun of Elvis. No, because you you're, you're bigger than I, and you might. You know. That's right. For those of us who weren't able to see, Tom was on his way to getting up out of the booth and walking out. <laughs> no, 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 he's not going to go anywhere. He knows we love Elvis here Sam at the Catholic stir, Cafe. Man. He's Look, it up. I'm starting to get people to, getting ready to say, would they shut up and start talking about get the topic? The point. That's the whole point. Yes. So today, I'm gonna, we're going to answer an email. I love getting emails. They're the best. Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. We have an email from, we'll just, his name is Tony. Tony. All right, and so Tony emailed. Hi, Deacon Jeff. I hope you are well. I'm really struggling with this as I have let Jesus into my ear, but I still sin, knowing it's wrong, and I still do it. Why is this? Why does having the gift of faith and submitting to our Lord not retract you from sin? Please feel free to read my email on the air if you so wish. And we do so wish. And uh, Tony, thanks for your email. And I'm sure there's a lot of people going like, "Uh uh-oh, how's he going to answer this? Yeah, it's like so. I am too. Why, Go why, on, why do we sin? Why, you know? Now, what I don't know is, is he talking about us? Like just here at the Catholic Cafe, why do we sin? <laughs> you know, because that's like thing. Or I think he's talking about everybody because yes. we all sin. Yes. yes. Well, I was just like Sam paused for a second. He said, "Yeah, I guess I do." Oh no! Uh, <laughs> but but uh, so let's talk about the 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 topic of sin and why we sin. Because think about this: the ramifications of such a simple question. Well, I guess I said first say to Tony, I am so happy that you have let Jesus into your ear. Amen. I mean, that you're actually listening to our Lord is a very, very powerful witness. And today, in this world we live in, there's not so much a lot of listening to Jesus going on. We there listen is. to everybody else and everything else, I think. And I think it's a good thing, first of all, to listen to Jesus. But um, why we sin, it's a tiny little three, uh, three words, you know, why we sin. But it's a huge topic. It is. Now, there, a lot of people may not remember this, but there was this little thing that happened. And this was, it was a garden. Where was it? It was someplace. I can't remember. Eden. Yeah, Eden. That was it. There and there was this tree and there was this fruit and there was these, this couple. Uh, and uh, comes along. Yeah, yeah. So we know the story of the Garden of Eden. And since that time, we've always had a problem with sin. And, and, and I know that like someone would think that Jesus came to, well, to be the antidote for sin, to... Uh, to reconcile us 
in our brokenness back to the Father, to bring us back into the fold, right? We're the we're the one sheep lost with the ninety nine, you know, and and he leaves them and he comes and he gets us because he loves us. And so a lot of people wonder, like, well, if I if I've made that commitment, if I'm listening to Jesus, I've I, I, in faith I've given myself over to Him. Then why do I still sin? Great question. So one thing about the I knew Sam story would have an answer. <laughs> I knew he would. But go ahead, Sam. Well, the thing that came to mind when you talked about eating. You mean Ziggy? Yes, Ziggy. Ziggy. Yes, thank you. <laughs> From now on, yes, well, we will never forget it. <laughs> so tell us about Eden. So the thing about Eden is with Eve, when she's speaking of the fruit, she identifies it as being pleasing to the eyes, that it looks good to eat, and also good for wisdom, and that corresponds to what Saint John identifies as what we call the Tencent word being threefold con- concupiscence. Oh yeah, uh, and in terms of uh, pr- of uh, concupiscence of the eyes, concupiscence of the flesh, and pride of life. Right, and we see that there in the garden, leading up to the decision making process that led to the fall. Right, and mm-hmm. and and. That stays with us. Our concupiscence See, stays that's a, with But us. that's the thing. I guess what Tony is asking is why. Well, so we have to we learn by experience, right? Ultimately, like God can teach us stuff, but he can't learn stuff for us. And we can say, sure, God is good, but we're also surrounded in a whole world of stuff that we also think is good. Mm. And to actually learn that what God says is good is actually correct and that he's not actually holding out on us right over it really requires a lifetime of experience to really grow into that knowledge that god is actually trustworthy uh and but making the choice to trust him within the context of what we're able to do by his grace little by little helps us grow in that heart knowledge that's what i would give as the answer you know and there's well and 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 i'm not saying that's wrong because i i agree with you and i just think that it's this the answer is going to be like on these multiple planes and oh, multiple yeah. levels, right? Because there's also things I've, I've talked to people who like in, in some kind of counseling or, or just discussing some difficult issues they're, they're going through. And it's like, I keep coming back to this. This is always the problem. I keep falling into this and I don't want to do this, but this happens over and over again. And I just feel like I'm a failure. And so what I end up trying to help them understand and see is that in our brokenness, the, the reality is, and I know this sounds wrong, and please don't write in to, you know, EWTN or Relevant Radio or the Pope or whoever and say, Deacon Jeff said, uh, but I do say, you know, to some degree, you should welcome your sinfulness. I mean, you should you should recognize that you're a sinner. Not I'm not encouraging you to sin, but I'm, right, I'm, I'm, I'm helping you to understand that because we're sinners, we need a Savior. Mm-hmm. Right, and at the point where I stop sinning, unless I have a perfect human will, I'm always going to be drawn. What you use the word concupiscence, because of what my my ancestors did, I'm always going to be drawn to that sinful thing. But it it really keeps alive in me this desire to know God, to know Jesus, to know peace, to know forgiveness, to know mercy. And you said we have to learn these things, and I agree. And I think that if if we always know that we're inclined to sin, then it's always that um, that constant desire in us to not know sin. I guess so. Um, and another way of looking at it is the the problem of good and evil. Mm-hmm. Evil exists so that we have something to choose other than God. 
And that evil has to be enticing. It has to be something we desire and want. And that was what Adam and Eve did to us. And we can sit there and whine about it all we want, but it's ours. It's kind of like um, you could be in this boat on a lake that's just sitting there, and you're drinking your beverage, and all of a sudden you, waves come by, and you get rocked, and, and uh, you spill your drink, and you're angry. Like, you didn't do anything. You were just sitting here, but you got hit by those waves. Well, there was some either big ocean liner <laughs> that showed up on the lake that's too big and was water skiing and whatever, and those wave that wake comes and hits you. But it's something they did. Mm-hmm. But it has an effect on us and continues to have an effect on us and will never go away. So we always have to deal with that. But to me, I look at that and go, okay, but that reminds me that I can't do anything on my own, mm-hmm. that I've got to have God. I've got to have somebody to stabilize my boat, somebody I can, I can rely upon, you know, and always know that there's some safety, there's some security, and that there's love there. So I'm not saying to, to Tony that it's like, oh, you know, um, you're just not faithful enough. If you were really faithful, you would never sin again. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have we heard that if everybody believed in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist, you know, they'd be lined up down the street. We, we all have faults. We all, we all fall short. I mean, the scriptures tell us that not because they're berating us, but they're just announcing to the world, world that God's revelation is announcing that you need me. Well, and one thing that we need to be grounded in is the knowledge that God has a perfect plan for our happiness and for our holiness, our call to holiness, that takes all of our sins into account and all of our mistakes into account. We don't have the capacity to throw off God's plan for our lives. Mm. And we can sometimes find ourselves surprised by our sins. Oh, my goodness. I thought I was past this. How am I still doing this? Right. But that doesn't mean that God is surprised by it. And God is several steps ahead of us, you know, every single step of the way, uh, to put it mildly. Well, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty two, Sam. You look and you realize that, I mean, I realize, looking at my own life, I am sitting here doing this at this moment because of every single event that took place in my life from the very beginning. So all of the good choices, all of the poor choices, all of the things that I've done, all the things that I've, I've become, things that I've taken on, things that I've shed... Everything about me in my history has brought me to this moment here and prepared me for this particular moment. Well, that includes my sin. And I'm not saying that it's good that I sin. What I'm saying is that, that God can take amazing, you know, make amazing things happen out of, like, terrible tragedy. Right? And, and, I'm, and so it makes it sound like I'm saying sin is great. I'm not. I'm just, I'm just saying that it's who we are. Well, and if we're going to learn that what God says is good is right, right? Then, and learn the goodness of God himself. One of the things that helps us grow into that knowledge is to know that God really loves us, mm-hmm. right? And if what's the thing that really helps us grow in the knowledge that God loves us? Well, it, let's say... The Winning example, a lottery. Well, okay. No. That, no, that's a great, interesting example, right? So like thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about from a parent's perspective, if we think back to our parents, where, when did we feel most loved? Was it when they gave us the birthday present or the Christmas present that we really wanted? Like, sure, we probably felt loved in that regard. But was it the bigger moments when we were forgiven by our parents for when we really knew we messed up and we didn't deserve forgiveness, but they loved us and forgave us anyhow? And so God does that over and over and over again. And so that's what helps us grow out of sin is seeing his mercy covering our sin. 
And then I'd also look at this and, and realize that we've we've kind of hinted at this, but life is a is a process. It's a journey, mm-hmm. and that journey doesn't end until the day that we die. We take our last breath, mm-hmm. and and so all of life is essentially a preparation for eternal life. For and what we uh, what we with the uh, the virtue of hope, uh, we want it to be heaven certainly, and, and so. The reality is if you believe, if you don't sin ever anymore, right, then what is, what is the rest of your life supposed to be, mm. right? So Mary, uh, someone who lived without sin, uh, she was a shining example, but always really a beacon before us as, as um, what we can attain in the sense of uh, what we want to become, as a human being, right? And so always a beautiful, shining example before us, but I don't think any of us ever think that we're going to be without sin uh, because we realize how often we, we fail and how often we fall. And then it's great to be reminded that we're loved, as you've, as you've stated, uh, Sam. So I see, that I, I just, um, my sense of this pro- uh, process, of this journey, it just, it's more, um, it's more attainable for me. It's more understandable for me if I know that who I am, that I'm going to fall, but I know and have faith that I'm going to be picked up every time I, I fall. And, and that, to me, is why we still sin, because there's a part of us, I think, that is drawn to be loved, to be forgiven, mm-hmm. to be held, to be comforted. I mean, think about the times when you were a little kid and maybe you, you cried a little too loud or you, you feigned some kind of terrible, just, just so you could be nurtured, hugged, and cuddled. Uh, like I just don't want to go to school. Oh, come here, baby. Let me hold you. You know, uh, Tom did that in college, and his mom he'd sit on his lap and cry. I don't want to go to practice again today. Uh, but the but the point is, sometimes we do that because we have this desire and this this um, this need to be loved. And and frankly, when we sin, we need mercy, love, and forgiveness. And and so it's like that's part of this process. It's ongoing, drawing closer and closer. To God, so we have lots more to talk about because uh, I want to. I want to like talk about some positive stuff here, not just why we fall, but you know, really, what do we do about going forward? You know, what should we do? Uh, because this can also have some pitfalls. Saying, "Hey, Deacon Jeff said sin is great, so I'm going to do more of this." We're going to find out more about that <laughs> on the other side of this break. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind folks at home we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back. And this is another great moment in church history. It is the understatement of the millennia to say that the very early church proved to be difficult and trying times for believers in the Lord Jesus. Not only were they considered outcast by the Jews of their day, but Rome had obviously set her sights on the fledgling church as well. In fact, Even while many of the original Twelve Apostles were still alive, countless Christians were being martyred by the Roman authorities for their newfound faith in Christ and His Church. One of the worst enemies of the early Church was Emperor Nero. The year 64 AD proved to be the height of his persecutions of Christians. This is a year that Rome burned, and two-thirds of the Eternal City lay in ruins. It is said that Nero might have set the fires intentionally so that he could rebuild the city as he saw fit, or that he simply wanted to create a reason to gain support from the Roman citizens for his persecution of the church. But regardless of why the fires were started, Nero needed a scapegoat. 
and he blamed the early Christians. He soon began a bloody rampage of persecution, torture, and death, the likes of which had never been seen in Rome. Many non-Christian ancient historians have documented the unusually gruesome deaths that were perpetrated on these early faithful. Many were crucified, many dressed in animal skins and thrown to wild beasts for entertainment, and tradition tells us that some were even used as human torches to light the streets of Rome. Regardless of the means of death, the Church fondly remembers each of these first martyrs. Called the proto-martyrs of Rome, their steadfast love of Christ, even in the face of a cruel death, would stand as a shining example for Christians for nearly 2,000 years. While Nero's goal was to supplant the Christian movement and stifle the growth of the Church, his actions ended up backfiring. The proto-martyrs showed that they were ready and willing to share in the suffering, death, and ultimate resurrection of Jesus. This served only to inspire and motivate the persecuted Christians. In fact, the more the Church was persecuted, the more it grew. No one knows the exact number of martyrs who paid the ultimate price for their faith at this time in history, but their gift of witness has made a lasting impact on the people of God. The Catholic Church has dedicated a site in Vatican City in their honor, the Piazza of the Proto-Martyrs. Their feast day, celebrated by the Church Universal, is June 30th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting here with Sam Rodriguez, Sam Ziggy Rodriguez, and Thomas P. Dorian. And uh, Ziggy and Tom and I are talking about why we sin. Yes. I know, it's sad. It is. And uh, we're answering an email from a, a listener of ours, Tony, who asked that simple question. And so it's like, um, where I wanted to kind of go now a little bit is, I don't want to make it sound like sin is great and it's good and woohoo, you know. Deacon Jeff said it's okay if we sin. Because you can take this the wrong way and you can suddenly go like, hey, I'm just being me and I'm a sinner. So here I go. Because there really is, in truth, there should be inherent in us a desire not to sin. Mm-hmm. Right? There's, there's, there is a, such a thing as good old-fashioned Catholic guilt. And that doesn't mean in a bad way like we're supposed to be guilting other people. It just means that, that we should know, because we're made in God's image and likeness, that we should, it should be inherent in us to want to please the Father. Right. And then when we don't, then we get upset with ourselves to a certain degree, you know? And I do think some people live in a world where their hearts are hardened. But I guess I want to go down the path of, of we, don't, we don't want to look at sin as an opportunity to get closer to God. But God makes sin an opportunity for us to get closer to God. Does that make sense? It makes Huge perfect sense. <laughs> Huge difference. So it's like, so the thing is, why we sin? I mean, Tom, you know, if you had an idea of, like, why we sin, what, one word that would be? Freedom. So now help me understand what freedom why? Well, God, God gives us the, the freedom to choose right versus wrong. Mm. Free will. Uh, and I think, I think we're lazy. I think human beings are just lazy. They want to they go the easy route. And a lot of times it's just easier to, to sin versus, you know, doing the right thing. Easy. Well, okay. So it's easier. Agree? I think, uh, you know, I think sometimes we choose to sin. Although what I have found is that even though I think it might be easier to sin, the it it com- it makes everything more complex. 
Oh, right. Definitely. Oh, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. When we start to do those things, all those bumper stickers and sayings come to mind because it's true. I mean, it's never it's easier to sin, but it's never easier on us when we sin. Totally agree with that. So St. Thomas Aquinas has an interesting quote related to that where he said that the primary punishment of sin is the pleasure derived from it. Ooh, see, you be careful what you ask for. Right. Be careful what you pray for. Because then you might it. still like. Then you might like it more. You know, at first you're like, "Hey, that seems fun." Do you, now I want to keep doing it. Now it's yeah. a now it's an addiction. Now it's a part of my character. I wonder. I wonder Slippery if St. Thomas Aquinas was actually the genie in the bottle. You know, they, <laughs> we have conflated those two because it was always a genie that said, like, you get three wishes, and one of them can't be to have more wishes. And every time you see the story about the three wishes. There is, at the end of the story, the moral of the story is that sap that found that bottle and got that genie is ruined. Right. Because when we think that we, what we desire and what we want in our wishes and anything can be granted, it's like we end up, it's ruinous. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. I it just, and so I, I, and I know that St. Thomas Aquinas was not a genie in a bottle. <laughs> but, but it speaks right to the point of when we, when we feed our humanity with humanity, we're going to fail. It's going to be a problem. But when we feed our humanity with divinity, that's what transforms us. That's right. So uh, I, I guess I want to kind of lead a little bit for Tony here and say, look, uh, it's important to talk about sin. It really is an important part of us. And, and Tom, you're right. Freedom, the, the freedom to make those choices, free will. I mean, that's the only way you can actually love somebody right. is freely that's right. and to have no no coercion whatsoever. Um, and so freedom is important, and so we always end up muddling things up. Mm-hmm. But I don't want Tony to think that like this. It's all about specifically about the sin, and, and to some degree, there is actually there's like a there's a there's a great message here. Don't focus so much on the sin and why we keep sinning. Don't look for the easy road out to be like, hey, I don't have to worry about that sin anymore. It's gone because God is divine, and He took it away from me. Mm-hmm. Look at it more as an opportunity to grow closer to him. And really all it takes is even in your brokenness um, really just takes you to sort of make this firm purpose of amendment. In other words, your desire to change is all that God really wants. I mean, he wants you to change and, and you will if you become vulnerable and allow yourself to be transformed by him. But. I love the last line of the uh, act of contrition that most of us know. Mm-hmm. And that is, I firmly resolve with the help of your grace to sin no more and to avoid the near occasion of sin. In other words, you don't have to promise you're not going to sin anymore. You have to resolve to do that. In other words, I desire not to sin. God, I'm so sorry because you've just said, you know, I'm heartily sorry for having offended you because of your just punishments. And most of all, because they offend you, my God, are all good and deserving all my love. But when you firmly resolve, it's like we always think that, like, you know, the res- resolutions that are made by governing bodies, I hereby resolve that, you know, you go like, that's just a bunch of words. They mean nothing. Well, they really do when they're to and from governments and to and from citizens of governments. But from God, a resolution is powerful. Mm-hmm. And he honors that. He honors your resolution to love him and to, and to try not to sin anymore. Right? Because he knows we're going to sin. You know, as I'm hearing you and I'm thinking about Tony's email, what comes to mind is a memory from about five years ago where I was very much struggling with, uh, you know, grave sin. And I thought, gosh, how am I ever going to break out of that? Mm -hmm. And I found myself one day at a tabernacle 
uh, just beating my chest, saying, you know, declaring myself to be the worst of all sinners. Right. And I felt God really, you know, telling me to sit back and stop. And what God helped me see was that there was a self-centeredness to me in what I was doing and beating my chest, focused on why, why am I still sinning? Why am I still sinning? And what God gave me in that moment was this image of my soul as a series of pipes that grace flows into me through those pipes and then out to other people. And what God had me see was that if I'm sitting here just focused on why am I still sinning? Why am I still sinning? What I'm forgetting is God wants to clear out those pipes, that pipeline of grace, because it's not just about you. God also wants to that send that grace through you to others. There mm. are other people who, who are going to benefit from you being an incarnation of love in the world. And it's not just about you. It is about them. And so, yes, accept his mercy because he's got some folks that he wants you to love on his behalf. Oh, man, that's powerful. And, you know, the Holy Spirit just kind of went right through the room. And, he, um, you know, Sam, every, well, he gets a little fired up at times. And he's fired up there. He's passionate. He just set the tablecloth on fire. We put it out. Ziggy just get fired up. But you're exactly right. And so it, the, the, God's grace is amazing. And, you know, Tom, you talked about freedom and just what we need to be focused on. Uh, and, and I'm talking about re- being resolved to sin no more. The reality is God loves us. He loves us where we are. And, and I don't want an easy answer. I really don't want to be in a place where, you know, once saved, always saved. I don't have to worry about anything else ever again. You know, what I want to do is I want to just love God. I want to be loved and want to know that I'm loved. And that, that's what brings peace ultimately, right? It, it, that's what brings peace. And so, you know, why do we sin? Because we're broken. We were born broken. We inherited brokenness. We continue to, to fall. And that part is part of who we are. We can't ever shake that or get rid of it until the day we die and we're, we're welcomed into the glory of the beatific vision. We're standing perfected before God. And that's the day that we should long for. And that's exactly what all of this stuff should be leading to. And so when people are asking questions about you know, why we sin, I, that's why I want Tony and anyone else hearing this to understand that, you know what, we sin because we're human and we're not God. And we're not, we were not carefully selected by God Almighty to be, you know, the mother of God uh, and to be born and, and uh, live life without sin. That's not who we are. But we can attain that in eternal life, right? We can attain a sinless state in eternal life. And that part is what I look forward to. That's what I long for. And life is a rehearsal for that. That's where we're called to be. And so, Tony, you're loved. And anyone listening to this, we all sin. We all sin. Mm-hmm. But we're loved. He picks us up. He forgives us. So we've spoken of the Blessed Mother. Let's ask for her intercession, right, to lead us out of sin, to lead us to her son. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners. now and of our, our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.